ask. He abruptly left work and drove home the wrong way on the 405 freeway to placate me. And if someone was rude to me, he was out for blood. There's nothing more seductive than a man who will duel at dawn for you. Or duel any time of the day, really. Once we were traveling to New York and the TWA representative informed us our tickets were for a later flight. He said he'd put us on the flight in coach seats. That's impossible, Ari said. I paid for first-class tickets. Ari was trying to impress and had spent many miles getting these tickets. The haughty representative sighed dramatically. You have coach seats, sir, and even if I had first class, I have a waiting list already filled with devoted platinum TWA flyers. You acquired yours with dividend miles. I'm going to need you to go ahead and step out of the first class line so I can help people who actually have first class tickets. Ari leaned his 6'5 frame over the ticket podium. I bought these tickets for this flight, and I'm not leaving until you honor them. The TWA representative looked at him with dead eyes. Could you please leave and take your white trash girlfriend with you? What? Okay, <laughs> now he crossed the line. There's no reason to sling insults, and if so, why smack me? Ari looked right at the guy. When you were a little boy playing in the sandbox with the other kids, and Timmy wanted to be president, and Scooter wanted to be an astronaut, did you actually dream of one day becoming a TWA ticket representative? He left the man completely deflated. Yes, it was mean. No, I'm not proud of how much I enjoyed it. But never in my life had anyone defended me with such tongue and dagger. And although it was demonstrative and effective, it gradually rendered me unhealthily dependent. Ari proposed in a castle in Ireland. Yes, a castle, a fortress, with stone arches and buttresses that offered weekend tours. He was a man of extremes. We were in Paris when he shocked me with the news that we were taking a weekend excursion. And with a snap, we were on Aer Lingus heading to Dublin. The bastion was down a long and hilly road dotted with sheep and dandelions. We had our choice of any of the 24 bedrooms as he had rented the whole damn thing. We scurried down one hallway to the next, inspecting the Chinese bedroom, the red lacquer bedroom, the yellow English garden bedroom, and so on. We decided on an ivy-wallpapered room that overlooked a leprechaun green meadow. In the evening, the butler poured us champagne in front of a roaring fire. Dinner was served at a long oak banquet table with an ensemble of forks and festival of sparkling wine glasses. Ari had flown in a chef from Paris, Netrelemont. And then, after a sampling of sorbets, he got down and produced the box. A sparkling emerald ring was placed on my left hand. It felt heavy in every sense of the word. This whole thing was so spectacular, fantastical, and overwhelming. All this for me? Any girl would feel the luck of the Irish and be river dancing from the dungeon to the tower, but something was amiss. It was as if I were watching it all on TV and yelling, You go, girl! to the woman played by me. When we returned to L.A., we were bombarded with congratulations and happy wishes, and as the weeks went on, Ari started to float dates and honeymoon destinations. I wasn't the girl who bought all the brides' magazines and tore out photos of bouquets and earmarked pages with colored tabs and Martha Stewart books. I found fault with all possible wedding locations. We couldn't do Martha's Vineyard. My sister had been married there. Manhattan was too busy, Hawaii too far, London too cold, Napa too obvious, Wyoming too anti-Semitic, and everywhere else was just too wrong. 
It would be juvenile to chalk this behavior up to a child of divorce. I didn't have Kramer versus Kramer night terrors and had nothing against the institution of marriage. I just couldn't set a date or find a place or choose a dress. Like a pacifist in a fighter jet, I couldn't pull the trigger. I started sleeping 14, then 16 hours a day. I couldn't muster the strength to shower, let alone shave my legs. I stopped returning anyone's calls and ate dry cereal in bed. If someone rang the doorbell, I would scream obscenities out the window like the old lady whose apartment door the police have to finally break down, only to find hundreds of stray dogs eating the remains of Twinkie wrappers. One Sunday afternoon, I finally mustered up my courage. Seated next to Ari on the white linen couch he had presented to me, festooned with a red ribbon, on the day we moved in together, I explained that I'd been feeling apathetic and needed to figure out why. Even my rendition of the perfunctory, it's not you.